too much nonsense and they go late. Oh, that's okay. I don't mind talking nonsense with you. Oh, good. So we'll start with um, the press release, of course. Congratulations on your upcoming tour next year. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be massive, I think. You got, you think or you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be massive, for sure. It's it's just like, in all ways, it's a huge undertaking. There's a huge set list. You know, we, we intend to play the, the double best of record in its entirety and, and then to do that means that the band is massive so we've got horns and keys and and then it's a massive tour as far as the amount of dates so yeah it's it's a big one all around so how, how does how does that all come to pass how, how do you bring all this big project together uh, just a little bit by little bit mm. you know i kind of thought of the idea of doing the, the uh, greatest hits volume one was the, the first thing because people have been asking for final for a long time and I thought you know that's the best way to kind of get into the, the vinyl thing because being independent nowadays it's most record stores don't have all of our records in them and I thought if we're going to have one album in a store that a compilation would be the best idea so people could then discover if they like us or not and then go on and get the other albums if they if they do um, so then it was kind of like, yep, that's the perfect way to get into vinyl. And then I started putting that together in the track list and building that. And then I thought, oh, this is this sounds this sounds great. It's been remastered. It looks great. Yeah, everything about it, I was kind of getting pretty psyched on. And then I thought, well, we really should do a tour for this. We should try and play this whole thing live. And then um, a lot of the music's pretty intricate. There's a lot of lot going on as it kind of gets along the timeline so the only way to do that is to kind of have the, the full lineup you know have keys and horns and guitars and drums and and you know we've done tours like that before but we've never done tour that that span the, the whole history like that so um yeah it, and then you just piece it together like i just reach out to the gang and we start going back through the archives and learning the songs like they were recorded and, and putting it together so what made of course the fans want a vinyl that's a very interesting thing because vinyl is now i guess the hip thing that people want a vinyl record and for you the greatest hits uh seaside high life how did that all come to pass as you said through fans did the fans in fans engagement or just twitter or you know how did the fans get to you for that um well you know there's a lot of they email through the fa- uh, through the website and a lot of interaction on Facebook, which is our Facebook's got about 150,000 people on there now, mm. so there's like thousands and thousands of people kind of, you know, the number increasing of people just kind of saying, when when can we get something on vinyl? When can we do it? When can we do it? And I just kind of hadn't really, it just, I hadn't just felt like it was the right time before, I don't mm. know. And then I just kind of felt like, you know what, we should, this kind of is a neat, time to wrap up that first era of the band you know it's it's been nearly it's been about 18 years we've been doing it so it's kind of like let's do it let's wrap it up i've got a, a cool cool cover art i've got put it all together and then yeah it's, it's i mean it's going to be on cd and on digital as well but this is the first commercially <coughs> available vinyl that we've done well, I guess also it's one of those things. It's you know, vinyl for a lot of people still is, is the is the most important thing, and I think vinyls now are, are a lot more hip than they used to be. Yeah, I think you know what it is. Like, I think that um, music is so convenient now, and it's mm. so easy, and it, and it's it can be free. You know, it's on all the the streaming and 
easy to listen to music. There's way more opportunity now for music than ever before, which is amazing. But I also think you, you do lose something in that too. You, you lose that experience and you lose that connection. And, and if you love an act, if you love a musical, you know, if you love a record, then having that connection and having that physical presence is something that I guess we all really enjoy as music lovers. And vinyl is just kind of the epitome of that, mm. you know. And CDs are getting phased out. And tapes are the mechanisms for playing CDs and for playing tapes and stuff are, are hard to come by, you know. But vinyl seems to have stood its ground. It's a really sensory experience. Like it smells good. Mm. It, it looks. It really is a great platform for artwork. The art's nice and big. You can. It's really. It's cool to just put a record on and look at the cover. Records sound really good, you know, so it's, it's kind of like a ritual. And even that, even beyond that, a lot of people just like collecting memorabilia almost of, of acts that they love. You know, they might listen to it on Spotify, but just having the record in their collection is enough, you know, and, and I can relate to that. I used to listen to a lot of and collect a lot of vinyl when I was a teen as well, just to have it, you know, and look, look at the artwork. So, you know, I get it. I get why it's popular and hopefully it always Right, mate. I, I think it will. I mean, I, I mean, growing up in the in the world of all digital, I, I do love going to a store and, and seeing the the records of actually artists that have released their stuff, um, that are new artists, and you and they've got the whole story that you know the right why the lyrics were you know the the melodies, and you just go, you don't get that on digital, you know, the whole story. Nah, you, you really don't, man. And, and it's kind of like a lot of people just listen on their phone on mm. their laptop. You're not really you put it on in the background. Yeah. And you see the cover image and it's cool, but you don't really in depth go into it and study the cover um, as much as you do if you're, you're physically holding it, you know, and you're flipping it over and you're looking at the gatefold. And, um, it's just such a cool thing, you know. Like for me, speaking personally, like putting that album together, um, putting the track list and going back to, and remastering the songs and stuff, that was, that was a lot of fun. It was amazing kind of putting it all together, but as fun as that was the artwork side of it because it's just in that format where it's like okay this is this is a cool format this is big and people are going to look at this and and so a huge amount of effort just went into the artwork because um it deserved it you know and and that's great man i think it it kind of needs it needs that level of attention and importance put on it otherwise it's just like some noise coming out of a phone (laughs) you know like music is too important for me to kind of reduce it to that so yeah it's, it's a good experience it's been a nice nice thing and speaking of experiences how did you come to as you said this is the greatest hits of uh, the beautiful girls five albums how did you come to selecting the greatest hits well um i actually consider it six albums because the first one um they called it an ep at the mm. time but it was it's kind of longer than the second album mm. <laughs> so i think it's about six really but um it's, it was hard to pick the, the right track list because I started, I worked backwards from the physical limitation. There's, I think you can fit about 22 minutes aside on a vinyl record. So if it's a double record, you look at about 88 minutes and then you got to put the gaps in between songs. So that was the starting point. So I divided it up and tried to span it out equally amongst the records. And then uh, obviously on each record, there was uh, more popular songs that might've been on the radio or, or that are crowd favorites. But there was also ones that I felt had a certain amount of artistic weight to them that I felt were important to put on there. So it was kind of a balancing act. Like I tried to trust my instincts and then 
I put some questions out onto social media and, and got people's opinions and, and, you know, took them on board. So I wanted it, you know, it, it, I had to tick a lot of criteria for me. I didn't want it to just be just based on what was popular. I also wanted to include stuff that, that showed the originality and where the band uh, had grown artistically and stuff. So, yeah, it was, it, it, yeah, it took a long time. It wasn't easy. I thought it would be easy, but it actually was, was really tricky. Well, it would be hard. I mean, as you said, you, you know, 18, spent a career at the Beautiful Girls of 18 years. You're going to have lots of songs to choose from. And it's, as you said, you, you want to choose not just songs that were popular, but songs that were, were more personal to you. And there's songs maybe that, you know, had a better live coverage than others. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Sometimes, weirdly, there might be a song on the radio, and then when you play it live, it just doesn't translate. Mm. It's not one of the ones that that has become uh, an an endearing one over the years to to people. So that factored in as well. And yeah, it's it's kind of like you build this monument. It's a, you take a long time to build this monument and and collect this body of work. And here's the chance to. Uh, put it out there to the world in the best collection that you can you can think of you know and, and I don't want to and I didn't want to undertake that flippantly and just be like yeah whatever here's a bunch of songs like mm-hmm. I wanted it all to sound as best as it could pick the right tracks that flowed into each other have the artwork connect to the music it was all you know it, was, it all had a lot of heart and soul put into it that's for sure and, and no, no, none of the decisions were taken lightly because uh, I felt like the people that had supported the band and who listened to the music just deserved it. I didn't want to just chuck together a basic old, you know, thing with no no thought to it. No, absolutely. And as you said, I mean, 18 years spanning with this group, the Beautiful Girls, is there a moment now that you look back, now that the Vonna was, and you, you realise that there were maybe songs that you didn't think of were great back then, but now listening to them back, being remastered, you go, wow, this, this, was, this was amazing. Kind of all of it, man. To tell you the truth, like that, it was. Um, it's a very. It was a very strange experience in ways that I had predicted. Um, it was kind of emotional, you know. Like looking back on all of it, what you do musically speaking for myself, it's always like do a record, do a song, and then just straight away start thinking about the next record and the next song and just keep busy and keep just just keep running on that wheel to just keep the engine going you know like you couldn't stop for a second so there wasn't really much time to reflect or even listen back you know it was just an ongoing thing so to take a moment in time and listen to all these songs in their remastered glory like i i must admit there was a few nights where i shed a couple of tears listening to it you know because i finally heard it with the perspective of distance, like I, I kind of had an idea of what it must sound like to other people, mm. you know, because it was some of those songs when you, when they're new, you're just too close. You just can't yeah. make a judgment. So to have that, the distance and the time and, and everything that's come in between, it was, it was, yeah, I, I felt that way about all of them to tell you the truth. I felt really connected back to all of those songs and all of that music. Whereas my natural creative instinct is as soon as I do it, I just kind of go, ah, that sucks, I need to do a better one. <laughs> you know, that's what drives me yeah. to just keep doing it. So, um, yeah, man, it was it was a great experience in, in ways that I hadn't expected. Oh, yeah, I mean, and as you said, I mean, when you're writing songs constantly, you're just in a moment and then you write the next song, you know, but to take 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 that moment and then go back, obviously, and, you know, a lot of songs obviously have their own meaning and then, to you know, it could have been 18 years ago, that, that first song that you wrote. Do you, do you remember the first song you actually wrote for The Beautiful Girls? 
was weird. Like I had, I was living overseas. I was in India, and then I lived in the states for a while. And I was playing a lot of the early stuff, like some stuff off the first record, uh, Morning Sun. It was called, and I even had the track Morning Sun in, in a kind of early form. And I was just like, the genesis of the first record was a quick recording, you know, a quick three-hour recording, and then I was going to take back like a demo tape, and keep doing performing on the streets in New York and do some open mic nights and stuff and then one thing led to another and it, it kind of got on the radio here um, but there was no you know I never kind of thought hey I'll put together a band and write a bunch of songs for it they just kind of fell into place um, I definitely remember writing a song called Periscopes that was uh, the first track off the first record because I felt like that record didn't really have a kind of upbeat catchy song on there and I wrote that song in about 20 minutes, you know, and, and that song to this day is one of the songs that we can't get away with not playing at, at every show, you know, so that was the first song on the first record, um, and I, va- I vividly remember writing that one because I was kind of like, yep, I need a song like this, <laughs> so here you go, and, and then yeah, we just recorded it quickly and, and we were off and racing, and it's been 18 years since. Yeah. And speaking of 18 years, is there a moment where you guys wanted to take a break, or was there just... It was just constant flow, basically, of music and touring. Um, well, you know, The Beautiful Girls is basically kind of a collective of, of musicians and, and uh, that are rotating when it comes to live touring. Um, when it comes to the studio, it's basically just me putting these records together and then if I need help doing some stuff, I'll call a couple of the guys or, or you know, do do as much as I'm able, which is, is most of it, you know. Yeah. And there was a period there where... I just kind of grew grew tired of the expectation of a new record where I was kind of like, I just wanted to make some music without people second-guessing what it was going to be or like having having a strong opinion about it either way. So I did a bunch of records under my own name and I did a bunch of records under different names and I just took a little breather from it. Mm. Um, but it's not one of those things, it's not like a band 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 mm. that can actually break up so there's there's no it's impossible for it to break up it's just whether i decided to keep using the name and touring under that name mm. but for me the name is the music and mm. i love that music so if the music's going nowhere so i want to go and play it and it's called the beautiful girls it's just kind of that simple sometimes it needs a rest for my own sanity but uh you know it's it's definitely not going away in any any permanent form ever mm. i don't think well, that's really the thing, uh, you know, 18 years under the, the name Beautiful Girls, obviously people's expectation changes and your fans change and, you know, you want to take a break and obviously a little easier for you that you can just go back to your own music and uh, then when you want to feel creative, you can go back to the Beautiful Girls name. Yeah, I think a big, a big thing for me was uh, what I really wanted to do was not, um, there seems to be this kind of business model in music whereas if you have a successful song, then you're your method is you just kind of keep basically copying that yeah. from album to album yeah. and then it just becomes diminishing returns artistically but the brand grows, you know. Yeah. But for me, I put that put the artistic horse before the cart, the commercial cart and I always wanted to just go into places that, that I hadn't gone musically and because of that, every record when it was released, it was a little bit of push and shove between me and, and the audience, I guess, because it wasn't, uh, fulfilling expectations, it was a bit different, and they eventually kind of came around to each of those albums. But it was, 
you know, it, it takes its toll having to stand up for something and fight for it every night. And sometimes you just need to take your foot off the gas. But having the having the ability now to look back on it all without that kind of struggle and seeing it all fit together as a body of work is uh, the biggest the biggest gift that I've gotten from this whole thing. You know, like I feel as a body of work, I'm really proud and I'd put it up against anyone's in this country as far as artistic scope from where where it starts to where it finishes. There's a, there's a lot in between. Yeah. There. Well, that's what I was going to ask next. Will it ever finish? I mean, you've got volume one here. Is there potential for volume two or three or are we going to go in a whole new direction next? No, there's definitely, as long as I'm alive, there's definitely potential for uh, volume two, for mm. sure. Like, for me, it's just, that's the first little part of an era and the second part is unwritten, yeah. you know? So it's kind of like, all right, well, let's go make some more records and start work on volume two you know which will be in 20 years from now like yeah. as far as far as i as far as i see it like i look at my heroes are people that that have stayed the course you know and they've been around like neil young and bob dylan and Joni mitchell and these people that have had careers that are like nearly three times longer than my, than my career mm. so it's it's kind of yeah this is by no means some kind of departure point this no. is just like okay cool this is a good time for this and then yeah. and then let's do this and let's celebrate this and then let's move on to something even better hopefully yeah. well that's what i was going to ask obviously someone that you know will, will look back at this time with with fond memories is it one of these things that you take a break after the tour and um the vinyl's released and look at a totally different experimental or do you go no we're going to do beautiful girls in a totally different light next or do we do our own music <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't really know. Like, I'm, I, the whole time I've been making music, I've got a couple of records in the can ready to release. Um, I don't know what they'll be called. I don't know whether they'll be Beautiful Girls or Matt McHugh. I don't know. They could be something else, yeah. you know. But as far as my, my day-to-day generally is I just try and write stuff. Like, yeah. I'm a writer, I'm a musician, and, and just collect it. And when it's ready to go, it's ready to go. Um, but there was something kind of nagging at me telling me that this was a good time to do this for the beautiful girls. And I definitely, I don't want to ever kind of go back on my laurels and, and uh, just do what's expected, you know. So if if, like the, if the next record is Beautiful Girls, hopefully it will be something that people didn't expect. And then so will the next one and the next one. That's the whole part point of uh, creativity and art as far as I'm concerned. You kind of got to go places that people weren't expecting you to go but still make it good and connected and soulful. And that's, you know, that's the mission. Absolutely. And, of course, speaking of places, I'm not sure if you've gone. You're going up to Margaret River, our neck of the woods, on the 30th of January next year. Oh, I've definitely gone there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Many times. Many times? Uh, so you must be looking forward to going back then. Oh, mate, love it. Yeah, it's one of the one of the greatest places on planet Earth. Mm. It's, it's, you know, I, I think, when I think, we tour Australia a lot, we tour the world a lot, but mm. there's a handful of places when I think of Australia as a touring place. Mm. Margie's is always on there. It's one of the places that's like a flashpoint, you know, it's like, okay, sweet. We might have a couple of couple of rough nights away from the beach or somewhere where it's a little bit of a grind, yeah. And then and then you get to places that you love and it's all good. And and Margie's is exactly that for me. Particularly, I love it. I just love it so much down there. So um, yeah, in summer too, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be summer. It's going to be nice and warm. It'll just be yeah, really chilled, relaxed atmosphere, which obviously goes very well with your sort of style, which is that summer sort of good vibes or sort of style. So for fans of you, 
who don't know what's going to be like, as you said earlier on in the interview, it's going to be big. Are you still going to bring that sort of presence to uh, Margaret River? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to try and we're going to try and go as hard as we can every night on this tour and, and just bring the full thing and just go. We're just going to. The goal is just make it like this is the very best of the beautiful girls. This record. So we're, we're, the goal is to try and make this tour exactly that. But we've we've toured a lot and we're conscious that people have seen us probably before. But we want to up the ante every time, and, and this time definitely want to take it to a place where they nobody even expected it could go, you know. Um, so, yeah, we're going all in. Awesome stuff. So where can people find you on socials so they can connect with you? Uh, well, our website is <clears throat> just thebeautifulgirls.com, yep. and, and that has links to all our socials. Uh, Instagram's the beautiful girls love you. Um, I don't even know what Facebook is. I think it's Beautiful Girls Love You as well. But all the links are on our website at beautifulgirls.com as well as tickets and tour dates and news and new releases and, you know, this, that and the other. It's all all up on there. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. You're welcome, mate. Thanks for